Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangus, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll look at China's new embrace of genetically modified crops, and we'll also look at a new U.S. listing plan for the international business of Anta, which is a sort of homegrown Chinese Nike. We'll start with genetically modified crops, which have always been a touchy subject almost everywhere, including in China. After years of blocking the use of such crops, China suddenly seems to be embracing them with its recent approval of some forms of genetically modified soybeans and corn. So, why are we seeing this sudden change of heart after so many years of opposition? And perhaps I'm being slightly cynical, but I've noticed this reversal comes not at long after China's mega purchase of Swift agricultural giant Syngenta. Which just happens to be a major seller of genetically modified products. Yeah,、uh, cynicism is good. It's healthy.、Um, <laughs> two things.、Um, first of all, yeah, that's um, uh, that's a little bit、um, interesting timing.、Uh, but I think more importantly, I think this plays into、uh, the whole issue of national food security. Which、um, has, is always a major concern or obsession、um, of、mm. uh, the government, the party, and the government in in China, and has long been a concern, and I think will continue to be a concern for quite a while.、Um, so,、um, GMO obviously allows higher yields in production and so on,、um, and.、Um, And from that standpoint, I think it's、um, it it basically contributes to helping China overall to、um, I guess reduce the risk of、um, shortage of、uh, of food. The、uh, GMO I think、uh, covers a lot of、uh, different parts of the food chain today, and they, based on what you said, they're basically a food too. So、um, they're Very likely moving、uh, a little bit、uh, slowly and maybe、uh, carefully, but soybeans and corns are two very important uh, staples uh, in, uh, in food staples in China. So、uh, I think that's probably largely driven by that. Uh huh. You know, I guess them and not just them, but Europe as well. You know, have have been going on for years about how these could be dangerous and. This and that, and then for them to just suddenly change their tune so dramatically after sort of you know being so cautious seems、yep. seems a little strange. We haven't we haven't seen Europe do that yet.、Um, that's you think that's,、uh, that's another story. <laughs> Europe is、uh, <laughs> we're not going to start talking about Europe because、uh, we could talk about it for a long time. That's right. That's your home turf. Yeah. All right. Well,、uh, how about I mean? Do you do you think that this this signals any new openness by China to importing? Because、uh, you know this new、uh, directive also、uh, applies to imported stuff.、Um, you know that、uh, China is going to be willing to import more food.、Uh, sorry, more foreign agricultural and, and meat products.、Um, I know China banned quite a few Australian products during the height of their tensions during the pandemic, and I believe it still forbids the import of, of U.S. beef.、Uh, 
do you think they're going to, you know, start to let in some of these forbidden products that are forbidden for whatever reason? If it helps them, yes. If not, no. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that, uh, you know, that's, um, uh, that's more of the same as far as I'm concerned. Uh, China, uh, looks at any kind of import, but uh, including food or maybe food in particular, uh, from, uh, uh, from different angles, um, which have to do with uh, geopolitics to some extent. Right. Uh, and then because it's food, uh, national food security on the other hand. So, you know, my view is that China will always modulate to some extent, uh, restrictions, approvals and so on based on what serves uh, the interest of China and, uh, and or the uh, desire to retaliate against specific countries or companies for, uh, you know, the crime usually of making comments that, uh, that are not favorable to China. So, you know, it's, it's just, I think, in my view, one more weapon uh, in the way that, uh, that China deals with the world. Um, when it needs something, it becomes accommodating, and then when it doesn't need something and it feels it has been slighted, then it goes in the opposite direction. Next, we'll look at a plan by Anta, a sportswear maker that's increasingly looking like China's answer to Nike and Adidas. Anta's already begun expanding outside China and made a splash in 2019 with its purchase of Finland's Ammer, whose brands include Wilson, Salomon, and Arcturic. Now, Anta's filed to list Ammer in New York, aiming to value the company at around $10 billion. So, Rene, can you take us through the logic of why is Anta doing it this way? And, you know, is there any political element here? Um, I think the first question is, why so soon after buying the company? Um, because, yeah, they bought it in 2019. You can, you know, you can look at the last, uh, whatever, 2021, 20, 22 as being years that were not particularly relevant to anything, especially of Chinese nature because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so we get to 24 and we basically, you know, then the first full year probably of a more normal market, uh, except in the West where things rebounded earlier. And, and then you put it on, you put, you put it on the market again. That's, uh, that's a little strange. Why would you do that? Is it that uh, they have a, um, they need money, they need funds to uh, either uh, fund additional acquisitions or uh, or to you know any other corporate uh, needs? Uh, Anti itself is listed. They've been public for a long time. Mm-hmm. They're listed in London. Sorry, in Hong Kong. And, uh, and, you know, I don't know. Maybe they think that, uh, there's a good market for it right now. Obviously, uh, stock valuations in the U.S. are pretty high. Definitely much higher than in Hong Kong and China, uh, currently. Um, 
some of those brands uh, obviously are known in the U.S. Um, and uh, but I would think that the reason why they bought it in the first place was because they wanted to bring those brands into China and grow them into China. I guess Salomon would be a perfect example. There's a big, there has been a big push in China to, you know, promote uh, winter sports and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other side, uh, the Chinese consumer doesn't look in the mood to buy any kind of thing that is not like, you know, necessary to live. Right. Um, at least most of them. So I find the timing from that standpoint a little bit strange. Now, maybe a lot of people in the U.S., especially on the retail side, at some point in time, will look at Amer and not not necessarily associate that with China. Uh, they will think Wilson and so on. But... Um, it's, uh, you know, you wouldn't think that it's a terrific time uh, to uh, go to market in the U.S. with any kind of uh, company that has a strategy to, um, you know, leverage, <laughs> leverage the Chinese China. consumer. So, yeah, so, and leverage China in general. I mean, we have all seen what has happened to all of those Chinese stocks over the last year and a half, right. even longer than that, but especially ever since China reopened especially on the consumer side. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, there's going to be a logic there, but it, it somewhat, <laughs> from a timing standpoint, at least escapes you. It escapes you. And, and what about, I mean, the whole choice of the U.S. as well? I guess the, the alternative would have been maybe Hong Kong. Uh, I guess they can't list it in China, obviously. Right. But yeah, but the parent company is already listed in Hong Kong. These are not, I don't think that these are brands that resonate particularly well with anybody in Hong Kong or even in general in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have to say, I saw a gentleman in the elevator earlier today with an actorisk uh, <laughs> jacket, winter jacket. So, I mean, at least they sold one. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, okay. if you think if you think Wilson, Salomon, and so on, those are brands that resonate much more in the Western world. Right. Uh, so that that part of that part of the move, doing it in the U.S. is probably not a bad move at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Sports-related uh, brand stocks have usually done relatively well in the U.S. in terms of valuation and so on. Mm. Uh, not that it's necessarily fully comparable, but think about Ferrari, even Manchester United, uh, when they floated and so on, Nike and, and so on. So, um, I think that, that part I can see why they would list it in the US as opposed to Hong Kong. Right. If they go public, the, uh, the urge to go public right now just, uh, escaped me a bit. Okay. Well, all right. As, as always, I have to ask how you think this IPO. I mean, uh, you, you've already said you know you're suspicious about the timing, but um, you know, how do you think it'll do? Uh, after all, Ant is a Chinese company, and mm-hmm. Chinese companies haven't been do- doing too well these last two years. But you know, that said, uh, Amher's business is almost all outside of China. Although, like you say, they're trying to do more in China. And it's it's posted, you know, pretty decent revenue growth the last few years despite the pandemic, but it's also losing money. Mm, right. Well, I mean, look, um, 
you look at, at at least two of these Troy E brands. Uh, they're good brands. They known um, their quality brands in their particular businesses or markets. Uh, but I don't think that there is much growth for any of those two brands in particular, being Wilson and uh, Salomon right. uh, in the Western in the Western world. Uh, and therefore, I mean, look, we'll have to wait and see how the bankers uh, will position this company in the prospectus and so on. But one would have to think, I would think at least personally, that, uh, you know, what investors want, especially from brands and so on, is growth. Uh, I don't think there's, you know, terrific growth path for those brands in in the U.S. and in Europe. And these are pretty mature, settled markets. Mm-hmm. So you would think that it, the emphasis is going to be on China and Asia maybe in general. But at a time when the Chinese consumer has not shown, uh, you know, tremendous appetite for spending on, on things that are not, uh, you know, necessary, absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it is also clear that uh, the Chinese consumers last year and probably this year, uh, uh, when they think leisure, uh, think primarily China as opposed to anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see that through domestic travel versus international travel, which clearly outbound from China has not recovered no, very not. well from after, after the pandemic. So, you know, maybe if if it were me, I think I would go to market and say, hey, well, look, you know, there's huge potential in China. The government wants to promote uh, winter sports and sports in general and so on. And uh, it's still its infancy. So there's tremendous growth potential going forward. I'm not sure that early 2024 <laughs> is the right time to do that. But, yeah. you know, we'll see. Okay. Uh, you need to, we need to get you back into your investment banker's, uh, uniform and, and suit and tie and go out and sell this thing. No, no, thank you. <laughs> I mean, look, this is another comment that I was going to make. I mean, those poor bankers, you know, they basically had to, uh, you know, eat roots as opposed to uh, healthy vegetables for the last three, four years when it comes to China. There have been very few IPOs, at least for the global guys. Right. Uh, that I think that uh, I think that right now they'll jump on just about anything uh, that walks by, uh, you know, in the hope that they can take the ball to the other side of the finish line or the goalpost and uh, get a deal and then get a bonus again. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, stay tuned and see what happens. Anyhow, we'll wrap everything up from there. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening this week. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and rate us and share us on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to join us again next week for another edition of China Inc., when we'll look once more at all the latest trending China business topics. Hope to see you all then. Goodbye for now. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>